0: Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One.
1: Donald Osborne, who's an evaluator, you know him from Jay Leno's Garage, great guy, encyclopedic knowledge, we'll interview him, we'll talk about that, we'll talk about the um, indie race at Long Beach that Matt was at uh, last weekend, all coming up. First, I'll tell you about Trico. Over a century ago, Trico was the first to make wiper blades, that's right, innovation, man, and they've been a step ahead of Mother Nature ever since, Trico engineers, They study specific driving conditions, so uh, you're ready for anything. I don't care if it's raining actual cats and dogs, Trico is ready for you. Whatever the weather, Trico wipers maintain maximum windshield contact, no matter what your driving habits. You'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle, and that is why everyone here uses Trico, and the people who know their way around cars, and that's us. Swear by Trico, Trico—the future of wipers since 1917. That's right, going back over a hundred years. To find a store near you and see the latest offers, visit TricoCatsAndDogs.com. That is TricoCatsAndDogs.com. <laughs> Get it on. Got to get on the choice. is going to mandate. Get it on. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. It's Carcast. The man That's met the moderator, DeAndrea, over Hello. there. Hello. Hello. How are you? Doing good. Busy, but good. Yeah. How about you?
0: uh same got some uh, events and travel in vegas and arizona and st louis and vegas again and my show and uh but uh, took a little little break made it out to the uh, grand prix of long beach
1: oh that's right yeah i and, was out uh, of town but.
0: had some track lobster
1: <laughs> nice um how'd the event go
0: it was it was good. It was it was a different, right? Because it's normally in April, this is September. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of cloud cover. Um mm-hmm. it seemed like great weather for racing in a nice mm-hmm. cool air, you Thicker know? air. And uh uh so it was it was a good event. It, I would say it felt like attendance was down and uh a proof of vaccination was required. So oh, yeah. there's a line just just blocks and blocks, just trying to get in. Now, it went quicker than I thought, but I, this is one of those events where, like, I was talking to Goldberg about it, you know, because we just did a SummerSlam. When you go to a venue that handles this type of, you know, uh, a staple Center and a Legion Stadium, there's multiple entries. They can get a lot of people in and out, in and out of that building quickly. Mm-hmm. But when you do a pop-up event of this scale... You can't have three dudes at a fold-up table checking vaccination cards. You need fifteen people, right? Right, because that line is just going. It's an outdoor event. It's right? an outdoor event, and uh, and to be to be fair, they were a little. They understood the time constraints. They were a little light and loose on everything. First of all, they didn't check IDs. They just checked for the vaccination card, so there was no correlation as yeah, to who you were. It's
1: all just theater at this
2: point. It, it, it kind
1: of is. You it's turn just, on the fucking TV on a Saturday, and there's college stadiums around the country packed with human beings, yeah. and there was no vaccination mandates or cards at those college games. So what the fuck is the difference?
0: It was just a little weird. And what threw me off was, is I went Sunday to watch the Indy race and the trucks, but I wanted to get there to check out the vintage race. Mm-hmm. And because we were in line for so long, I missed the vintage race. So uh, that part was a little, uh, a bit of a bummer, but uh, the race was fantastic. Colton Herta won. Joseph Newgarden was second. Scott Dixon was third. Herta is he Brian Hurta's? kid or, or oh, that, did you say herta uh, herta h-e-r-t-a
1: that must be brian herta's kid
0: you know i don't i don't know that's a good question i didn't call I yourself never, the moderator. I, yeah uh well i'm not the race the race guy uh but this was also the end of the season being uh, in september so it was the the championship as well so alex polo uh, who um, came in fourth in the race, number one in the points? He's your mm-hmm. season champion. Joseph Newgarden is second, and Paddle Award is third. Those are the ranks now. But I was talking to the guys from Acura. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the, it's Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach now. So that's mm-hmm. the uh, the title sponsor. And they were saying th- the plan is to get back on the normal schedule for next year. So although they did this event now in September, they're already planning for an April event. Oh, good. Yeah, which is a fun event to go to. We can go back and maybe catch a little bit more sun, but... <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, Colton is Brian's son. There you go. Brian Hurta's uh, a pretty famous um, indie driver, probably retired, although for some reason I think he, I may have saw something where he was still driving or doing well, something. Well, there might be
0: more about the sun now, is why he's probably...
1: Son can't oh, be much older than nineteen or twenty. Yeah, he's
0: a young, he's a young guy. He's Heard fast. A, he's obviously very
2: fast. Sorry, his, his team won the twenty eleven Indy five hundred. Brian's team.
1: Brian's team. Yeah, he
2: runs Brian Herta Autosport. So that's what. That's yeah, but Herta.
1: Oh, Herta wasn't driving an eleven. No,
2: the driver was Dan Weldon.
1: Oh, Dan Weldon. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. Um, so who passed? Right. Yeah. Um, Herta must have won. Indy 500, maybe, I don't know, 03, 02, or something like that?
2: His best finish in Indy was eighth in 2005.
1: Oh, well, then he... I don't know. Did he win the championship, the points championship in 01, 02? I He was a pretty significant driver back in the day. Also, I do believe there was an incident with uh, Herda where he... <clears throat> he may have hit a track worker, or some version of that killed somebody. I, you know, Willie T. Ribs had that situation in Canada mm-hmm. uh, as well. But there was a Canadian Brian Herda. Um, I think I, I think a, a fellow driver died in a crash in Canada uh, with Herda racing in that, and maybe. Oh one or, or some version of that it's just these are all just uh scattered thoughts from uh, love line you know 20 yeah, years right, ago but right. i i do remember some version Did of you that.
0: Ha- you had him on love line
1: brian Herda used to yeah. come on to love line i would i would say uh more than once but i don't i don't remember you know tons of appearances but right. uh he definitely was on and there was Definitely an incident involving him or a co-driver or fellow driver or something where there was a death. And I, I believe it was a Canadian race.
2: In, actually, so the, uh, in the opening laps of the 98 event at Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin's Road America Circuit – Herta was involved in one of the scariest racing incidents in the history of North American motor racing. In the four mile road course's fifth turn, Herta got too close to the back of the car of co-owner Ray Hall and spun out into a paved runoff area facing oncoming traffic. A few seconds later, an ESPN camera that had zoomed in on Herta's head pulled back when Herta clenched his fists and put them against the sides of his head. As course workers scattered, Alex Barron slid into the front of Hurt's car and rode up on top of it. Both drivers were okay. Hurd reported that Barron's car had actually hit his hands only inches from his face.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that was a hairy one, but I still think there may have been a death uh, uh on another another it in his bio. another event. Yeah. Yeah, might not be in his bio.
0: Scary th- scary. Yeah,
1: still have a Canadian. Yeah, I was I was just telling somebody just the other day, uh, you know, the danger of racing is not so much the racing, but if you get spun out and you come to a stop and you're on the track or right. near the track and then you're basically a sitting target and somebody hits you at a 170 miles an hour, that's the problem. It's not when everyone is traveling at 170. I mean, that can be enough, but we think back. To Steve Millen in a Z car when he sort of spun it out and he was trying to get right. it back on the track and he was just T-boned, you know, in a very horrific crash. Look,
0: it, even in the pro-celebrity race from years ago, I think uh, uh, Brett Davern got T-boned, right? He was like kind of off to the – he was crashed or something off the side and the workers were already out there like yeah. getting him and. He got T-boned, which was scary because he was in the process of, like, getting out of the car, and he got he got hit.
1: Yeah. I, I tell you— was, They always tell you, stay in the car. I mean— Yeah, but I, the workers were there. Yeah, yeah, know, no, I'm not—not <laughs> yeah. Brent's—not Davern's fault, but I'm just saying, in general, they in always the just tell you, stay in the car, wait for people to come yeah. get you out of the car.
0: I, I tell you, the halo in the windshield makes a big difference.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, you yeah. know, and, Well, seeing, think about that a crash we yeah. just described, you know?
0: Uh, seeing the cars up close in person in the display car and and you know just uh the amount of protection that that provides it's it's pretty significant and i'm sure it's very welcome by the teams and the drivers once they kind of got used to adapting to it but that's why they're you know they're professional drivers they figured it out but it it makes a big is that halo thing. carbon fiber I I don't know if it's carbon fiber or titanium.
1: Oh, the the yeah, the, could loop, be the halo
0: could might be titanium, and I think it has a spine in the middle, and then it has uh, some sort of uh, windshield on it. And I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's not glass. It's going to be some sort of plexi, something or other.
1: Yeah, lexan maybe. Yeah. Does um, does F one have the glass? I don't on think there? they do. I don't think they do either. Yeah,
0: I don't think they do. I think they just have the halo. And again, i not couldn't say what it's what it's made out of, but I I thought I had read at some point it was titanium. I could be wrong, but, uh,
1: well, Don, uh, Osborne, who I think of as Donald Osborne, but is he, is that the singer?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always thought Donald Osborne so much. Uh, yeah. Was that, uh, isn't it Donald Osborne? I mean,
2: yeah, but it's Donald.
1: Oh, okay. Good. All right. So, uh, from Jay Leno's garage, right? Yeah. yeah, that Donald. Yeah, yeah.
0: well, because now that it said Donald, I was like, is this a different
1: guy? Yeah, it'd be helpful to have Donald Osborne okay, on Don- there. Because I think that, that, Don- that,
0: Donald Osborne. that's the bow how,
1: That's how we know. With the bow tie. With the
0: bow tie. And the singing. That's right, and the singing. That's Donnie. Which, <laughs> that's, Don, that's his Donnie mode. Also, yeah. it's, which is funny because when I see him do that, I think of Drew as well. Because Drew can do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know Drew can do that. I don't
1: know what a lot of people know, Um, but yes, Drew can do that same sort of opera singing that he will do to (laughs) ring in, to herald the arrival of his segment when they evaluate cars at the end of Jay Leno's garage. Yeah, I guess that hoop is titanium, which makes makes sense to me. The halo is titanium. Anyway, Donald Osborne is going to uh, join us. Soon, and we'll talk to him about uh, cars and evaluations and life and and um, his his role in that world. Also, oh, uh, we'll. Uh, so, uh, did you go down there? Who'd you see?
0: Down so that was the thing was because the race is Sunday, and it's the ceremonies and the prac and uh, and and whatnot. I didn't actually get to talk to the drivers when you go and the cars are going out to to the field basically to to start and they do the open. All the teams are packing up. They're like, "That's it. All we got to do is load up the car and go home." There's no more pit or anything. So, because we were in line, uh, I didn't get the, the chance to go up and talk to like Bobby Ray Hall and Graham Ray Hall and Simon Pagano, friends of ours that we mm-hmm. go and see on a regular regular basis. I because of the schedule change I usually go Saturday and Sunday Saturday we can go in more of a social thing and then Saturday watch the race but couldn't go Saturday I'm I'm going to rethink it, put it back to the normal schedule for April and go out uh, so I didn't get to say hi to those I was you know I had emailed ahead of time to uh, Bobby and Graham and said you know good luck and uh, you know uh, you said good luck and you're going to be out of town and you know, hope to run into you guys but they were just on the track the whole time
1: Mhm. And uh, there was the truck race as well. Which is
0: which is fun, lots of carnage. Of course that's after the IndyCar race because they just, you know, screw everything up. <laughs>
1: you know. It's a, it's a crazy sport. Yeah.
0: The trophy um, truck race. So the vintage yeah. race was in the morning, like, I don't know, like a 10.45 to 11.15 or something.
1: Was that a Formula Atlantic yeah, race? Yeah, and
0: I didn't get to see it, <laughs> which I was bummed about. And as we were in line, we got to hear some of it. Uh, and and then, yes, then the whole indie thing, um, which takes up most of Sunday, and then the trophy trucks come out. They bring the jumps, the jumps out. Uh, we saw some of that, and then we watched some of it on the screens and it's just it's as much fun as you always think it is it's always weird to me it's like why do they run the knobby tires on the street but mm-hmm. probably it's the only tire you can get for those things
1: probably yeah you
0: know uh but just banging into each other and body pieces coming off those trucks and flipping up on and then just for fun like they're all up, up on two wheels at some point especially right. toward the end
1: yeah, yeah. And, you know it's it, it's really fun if anyone hasn't checked out the sort of track asphalt trophy truck racing.
0: It it is fun. I would
1: I would uh venture to say but Chris can look it up. I would bet you that on that track the formula atlantic cars get around it as fast as the indie cars do. Um I'm using a, a theorem here which is uh, my go-kart theorem which yeah. is like uh, a shifter cart will get around a track like that, like as fast as, as an Indy car. Especially
0: well, around, like, the fountain, like when you've got to go down to almost it, it, five miles an a, hour. There's
1: a couple of straightaways, you know, Shoreline being the longest, and the indies cars, I'm sure, will pull the Atlantic cars on that. But yeah. then there's a lot of really tight bits and pieces on that track, and I bet those guys can match the lap times of the yeah. indy cars plus if they're vintage they they may even be running wider slicks than the indy cars are today with a lot of the regulations and things of that nature yeah.
0: well the the first one or two laps especially around the fountain there's always a little bit of carnage so right off the beginning of the the, the beginning of the race as everyone's so bunched up I, they already had a yellow flag on know. the it, Indy race. Yeah, on the Indy race.
1: <laughs> see if you can see if you can get any lap times for that uh, Max yeah, Pat. I'll yeah. I'll tell you guys about Mac Weldon. Yeah, you're busy. Stop thinking about what to wear and embrace Mac Weldon's daily wear system, a selection of clothes with smart design, performance fabrics built to work together, from breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups, shorts, underwear, and beyond. I love my Mac Weldon stuff. I've frequently worn it on Kimmel and other shows where I'm going to be on camera because it looks that good. For the ultimate uh, Lazy Sunday, their Ace sweatshorts. Ooh, I like that. Uh, pair perfectly with their ultra soft, ultra upgraded Pima tees. For weekend travel, they have their silver knit polo and radius shorts, and they're the perfect uh, high tech Highly packable combo. It's Mac Weldon, right, Matt?
0: Yeah, you know, buy, buy some time this summer with the Mac Weldon daily wear system. You know, for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CarCast and enter promo code CarCast. That's MacWeldon.com slash CarCast. Promo code CarCast for 20% off your order. It's Mac Weldon. Radically efficient wardrobe.
1: Donald Osborne has joined us uh, via Zoom. We do call you Donald, not Don, correct?
3: That is absolutely correct, Adam. I am a Donald. All right. (laughs) You should stop
1: writing Don on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thankfully, I'm a big fan, and I've watched your career for quite some time. Of course, I see you on uh, Jay Leno's Garage. So I know to call you Donald.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's a terrific thing. Actually, it's a a great uh, point of separation because there are people that say, Oh, yeah, I'm really close personal friends with Don. Right. And then we sort of know. Yeah. Right, like, then who, we know. Who, who are we talking about?
1: <laughs> which is very interesting because in Hollywood, you'd say Bobby De Niro if, in fact, you were close friends right. with him. So this is actually, we flip the script. Right. Go the long version. That's how you know you're truly a fan. Uh, thanks for joining us, Donald.
3: A pleasure.
1: Um, let's talk about... Uh, you and your background and and how you got into evaluations um, it's something I've always been kind of fascinated with and and now more than ever I mean we were just speaking last week about the Tom Cruise 928 sure. going for 1 nine and change let's call it two million bucks uh, how did how did this start for you
3: well it was very interesting I mean it started with my great love of cars I've been through five completely different careers which is I think, um, certainly not a record, but uh, certainly up there. Um, I trained as an artist in high school, wanted to become a car designer because I loved cars from the time I was a kid. Uh, Went to school instead for um, music, for opera. Trained as an opera singer. I had been singing uh, with the Metropolitan Opera from the time I was 17 years old. And uh, pursued a singing career, all the while keeping cars in the background. Then worked in retailing, worked in marketing communications, advertising, uh, corporate image and branding, always cars in the background, and decided around 2003 that I really should probably do something with the car thing. And I had been writing for Sports Car Market magazine for a number of years at that point, and a very good friend of mine, um, Dave Kinney, uh, who was also writing for Sports Car Market at the time, said, you know what, I'm an appraiser, and I think this would be something that actually might suit you. You like research, you like detail, you like cars, and so why not give it a try? So I joined the American Society of Appraisers, uh, got my certification and uh, an accreditation and uh, started doing appraisals full-time in 2004 and uh, have not looked back
1: <laughs> well where do you see the market right now i've been kind of speculating that in the uncertain inflationary world possibly joe biden who knows what's around the corner i feel like The younger people are thinking about Bitcoin, but the older people are thinking about cars and memorabilia and a Steve McQueen windbreaker. Does that make sense to you, Donald?
3: It makes a lot of sense uh, from a number of points of view. One is the economic point of view, and the other is a sort of an emotional societal point of view. Uh, The market's really been moving in this direction for the last – it's been a big movement for the last probably 14 or 15 years – uh, towards the experiential part of the spectrum. People aren't buying cars to look at. They're buying cars to use, whether it's racing, uh, rallying, touring, showing it at, at uh, car shows, whatever it might be. Um, people want something that adds something to their lives. Um, and that's really what has been driving value. And um, it's also quite interesting that having just come through the pandemic or coming through the pandemic... Um, people also realized, what am I waiting for? Um, am I waiting for the golden years? You know, looking, looking awfully yellow out there right now. Uh, you know, uh, why not just go for what it is that I've always wanted? Um, and then the fact that interest rates have been so incredibly low. Um, if you've got savings in cash, it's sitting in a bank collecting dust. So it might as well collect dust in your garage so you can actually clean it every now and then. And even for young people, um, Bitcoin is terrific, but Bitcoin isn't sexy. Bitcoin is no sexier than a stock certificate. You know, young people are interested in having something that entertains and challenges them and also gives a sense of community. People want to get together with other people who love these items. You don't get together in Bitcoin conventions and, and, you know, have a party.
0: You know, you talk about the events, and Adam and I have been, you know, obviously, me going to a lot of events for quite some time, and we start to see the attendance increase. Obviously, a pre-pandemic, but we start to see year over year Monterey Car Week attendance start to to go up, and then, uh, you know, uh, a Ren Sport, and then even new events like Radwood, which is a fun event. Um, how fast Lufka Cult grew in the in, in just a number of years, but. Are those events starting to attract the younger audience as well? Are are we gonna, are those events going to get big and then die off, or are they going to last?
3: Well, um, you just give me a wonderful opportunity to make a shameless plug, and I love shameless plugs. The answer to your question is yes, they do attract younger people. Um, and again, it gets back to the experiential part. I think that cars and coffee and the cars and coffee phenomenon has really had a big effect on that. A lot of the traditional sort of brand mark model clubs had been struggling a bit uh, to attract members because they typically had a format where people drove to a restaurant, had lunch, chatted for a bit, and drove away. Um, also, the traditional sort of one-day Concord d'elegance on a golf course with people sitting behind their cars in lawn chairs um, also is something that doesn't seem to be attracting a growing audience. But the cars and coffee phenomenon where people can come for a few hours and see a wide variety of cars meet lots of interesting new people talk to them get to learn about their cars talk about the car you brought that plus again the experiential uh here in uh, newport rhode island where i live we're just about to start the uh audrain newport concourse and motor week and it's a multi-day event with a wide variety of events for all sorts of people and their levels of engagement with automotive enthusiasm and also something that uh we started here in Newport with the 30 under 30 class, which is the brainchild of uh, our friend uh, Jay Leno. Uh, the idea of having a Concord class for owners of cars who are 30 year old, years older or younger, had $30,000 or less invested in their cars. So the fact that it's providing access to people and it's all about the access that brings them into larger events that are sort of more formal, as it were, uh, in, in the field. Plus, the field of collecting has just grown. There are more interesting cars that are newer now. Um, it's, it's a funny thing, and I know that um, – I, I can't say I know that you, Adam, would, would understand this because you're old, like I am. But <laughs> um, it's so funny. I, w- I was talking uh, about some car the other day, and I said, oh, you know, that's not an old car. And I realized it was a car from the 90s, and that's 30 years old. So when I was first getting into cars, I also – the first cars I looked at were 30-year-old cars. And I'm sure there were adults that thought, oh, those are just used cars.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, I remember some of the race cars I have from the 80s not too long ago were just not considered vintage race cars, you know. Um, anything tube frame was really not considered vintage. It had to have a tub. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's something I've always said about the hobby, which is, you know, you you Eventually, everything's going to be vintage, you know, and and I have, you know, race cars from the 90s. And you think, yeah, same thing feels new to us because we were out of high school. But uh, to my 15 year old son, that is an old ass car. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm an old ass man. And, you know, speaking of some of those 90s cars, you know, we've been noticing that, uh, a lot of the Japanese stuff, some Skyline stuff, I yeah, think, NSX, um, NSX stuff, Supras, Supras. Yeah. Fir- first things first, you know, Japanese was neither here nor there, you know, uh, uh, 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly Japanese 90s, I think it's some of the, Skylines we've seen, 91, 92, I think early 90s have recently gone for maybe 250,000 bucks. I mean, uh, even, that is a quantum
0: leap. Yeah. An Integra,
3: <laughs> you know,
0: R, yeah. You know, yeah. The type Rs and stuff. What, what's well, your you feeling know, on the Japanese car market?
3: Well, I think that it reflects, again, the fact that the collector car field, the spectrum is growing. I like to compare it to art people have been collecting art for a really long time since the Romans collected Greek art car collecting is fairly new since basically after world war two in most of the world. And so what we're seeing also here is that the, the basic standards of evaluating any collectible item are applying to cars. So it's not simply when it was built. It's what did the car mean to its period? Um, the cars like the Integra are uh, the skyline, were great performance cars that showed their manufacturers taking the brands in a new direction or establishing technology in a, a mass produced car we'll call a mass produced car although the Scotland certainly the performance versions are not common cars but they're still it's basically a, a serial production car and it is one of those things that they made lots of boring cars in Japan in the 1990s and those cars will not particularly gain in great value or interest as time goes on. But the cars that really sort of move the marks over, especially like the NSX, for instance, um, are certainly notable for all the reasons why historic Ferraris are notable, historic um, Jaguars are notable, whatever it might be. It's because of their specific specific attributes that that's what makes them interesting.
0: Let me ask you a, a sort of a market evaluation question. So Leno has famously said that he... Drives all of his cars and he, you know, I'll paraphrase, I'll drive them down and restore them back up. But what we see a lot of uh, now, especially with these 80s and 90s cars that you're talking about, you know, pop up on bring a trailer in certain auctions, uh, you're seeing, you know, a GNX with 120 miles on it, Mustang Cobra R's with nine miles, uh, NSX super low miles, Integra Type R's super low miles it kind of takes the experience out of it right cuz a lot of it is we look at those cars and go yeah it's a big money car somebody's going to spend a lot of money on that car cuz it's got 300 miles but then what do you do with it <laughs> you know like i i mean you have to have a massive collection and not drive all of the cars i guess my thought is well what is your thought on those low mile cars are they are they worth it should they can they never be driven at that point Right. Uh, well, I've
3: got, I've got, I've got two, three things to say on that. My first is my own personal opinion, which is that the cult of the undriven car is a very, very, very misguided one. Cars are meant to be driven, especially the cult of the undriven high-performance car, which is like saying I'm going to buy the Mona Lisa but hang it on my wall facing the wall so that the sun doesn't hit it. Right. What's the point? And uh, the second thing is the fact that. As a long-term trend in collecting, the undriven car, in my view, generally does not last because it cannot be used. By actually using the car as it's meant to be used, you are thereby drawing down that interest for that particular part of the market. It is also something that every car, when people talk about investments in cars you always have to be careful because of course the car is the one investment that actually costs you money to own uh, since you actually have to maintain it. And I have certainly seen, as I'm sure the two of you have as well, cars with very low mileage that actually need work because cars deteriorate. Um, the rubber deteriorates, The uh, all sorts of, of of soft parts, even paint can begin to deteriorate. And when you have also a super low mileage car an undriven car that someone then wants to just try out you are faced with the challenge of actually having to do a major service that borders on a light restoration because you have to go through every one of the mechanical systems because otherwise the car is undrivable. so you're taking a piece of kinetic sculpture and making it fixed sculpture if the car is a beautiful design then it might work Ultimately, I think that the cost to a collector to maintain a collection of undriven cars will prove far too high and people will lose interest and they will not have the secondary value in the marketplace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, and it also puts the owner in a sort of untenable position or bad position, which is you buy this car. Forget about the make and the model, but let's just say the average trading price for the car is $200,000, but you paid $300,000 because your car only had 80 miles on it. Yeah. So now you've you understand that you paid a premium for this car and the only reason you paid a premium is because it has such low miles on it. And so now it's hard to justify driving the car because you're essentially bringing it down to the market price, which is well off of what you paid for
0: it. It it seems like that's an attribute that doesn't increase in value over time. It actually depreciates a little bit. Paying the premium for the car with 80 miles on it years from now I don't think the I think the gap of the 30,000 mile car and the 80 mile car starts to close a little bit yeah. and at some point you know you want a Lamborghini Murra SV if you find one with 27,000 miles or find one with 87,000 miles on it if the conditions are the same they're pretty much the same price
3: and you 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 agree with my points exactly uh There. And the other point is the fact that the person, the theoretical person who paid $200,000 for the higher mileage car and actually drove the car and then sells it for $220,000, not only has an extra $20,000 the experience of having driven and enjoyed the car. Right.
0: Got to take it to those events and show it off and hang out. But, yeah. yeah.
1: Donald, we were touching on, you know, people want to have the experience and the shared experience of, you know, the cars and the cars and coffee and the events and all that, which I, I totally agree with the, the word that I, it's been coming back to me quite often. And we've shared it with the audience before now is story. People want a story. Um, and, you know, circling back to the low mileage, unfortunately, that's their story. You right. know, they go, well, they made they made twenty five thousand NSXs, but this one has four miles on it and it still has the cellophane around the steering wheel. Yeah. That's that's their story. You know what I mean? And, you know, obviously a Jeep is uh, 20 grand, but if Steve McQueen owned the Jeep, then that's the story, you know, and I think people talk about it in terms of this guy owned it or that guy owned it or it raced here or Dan Gurney drove it. They're saying what they're saying is a story. Everyone wants the story and that seems to be. A bigger part now because back in the day it was just you get a mercedes goal wing, and that's the story it's a goal wing. they didn't make that many of them that's that's the story but now you could go to cars and coffee and have five guys pull up in a goal <laughs> wing, and now your story's not so good so let's talk about the story i feel like that is more where we're heading you know you take that um painting um oh god I'll think of the artist that uh shredded for instance. Uh, yeah. uh yes. like a Banksy. The Banksy Banksy the Banksy yeah. painting. Well the thing's worth five times more now after it was shredded because that's the story. Right. There's
0: a huge story around it and how it happened. Right.
1: Right. Tell us uh your thoughts on the story.
3: Well I think that you're absolutely correct and it brings me back to Uh, One of my favorite movies, which is not a very good movie, but nonetheless of of its type, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And what it expresses is to me at the heart of why I love cars and why so many people do. The yellow Rolls-Royce and the idea of this car and showing how it affected and entered and and lived with these three various owners of the car. And that Rolls-Royce town car is far more interesting for having been delivered new in London to um, a fellow who sold the car he bought it as a gift to his wife. He sells it because he finds out that his wife has had an affair with his aide and they had a tryst in the car, so the car had to go. And then it ends up uh, in a used car lot in, in the uh, south of France where an American mobster on the run uh, and his girlfriend find the car and they buy it and they have adventures with the car And then it ends up in the hands of a woman helping partisans during World War II in Greece. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And the car has a life of its own. Um, The person who bought it knew why they bought it, who built it, where it was sold, where it was delivered. What what happened to the car um, is, to me, uh, one of the most important things. I'm extremely fortunate that I am the second owner of a 1953 Jaguar Mark VII sedan. I bought it last year at auction from the estate of the original owner. It's absolutely complete with every book, tool, record, uh, photographs in the car of the owner and his wife uh, going out to dinner in it. Uh, it was a gift from the owner's the original owner's father to him when his first child was born. It's an amazing story this car has to tell, just in its life that it's lived. Um, and that's the kind of thing that... that um, I want to see in a car and I'd love to share with people about the car.
1: So uh before we let you go, give us some uh idea of the market right now. Um ideas on some cars that you think are on the move, um others that uh, may not be is is great investment. It uh it feels to me that Ferrari in general has been kind of flat for a while. I mean, they were everything for a long time. Then Lamborghini popped up and then Lamborghini flattened out and now Lamborghini's going up. Um, so there's definitely trends in the market. We have cars like the, uh, Jaguar 220 the supercar, 220. the XJ 220, which we've always thought is a million dollar car and it's hanging out at, you know, 475. And I, I still think that'd be a, a good investment yeah. down the road with other more modern supercars uh, making their move. But you tell us, Donald.
3: It's, it's a tough thing to answer in just a few minutes um, because I'll just start with the, the Jaguar XJ220. The Jaguar XJ220 is a really funny car because it's a car that people love to buy but don't love to own. So they change hands fairly frequently. People love the idea of having one. And then again, going back to the experience, I've driven one once, not for a very long time. I thought, oh, this is interesting, but for the people who buy them and the other kinds of cars they tend to have, it's not that interesting a car. And again, it doesn't have that much of a story to tell because it didn't do what it was intended to do, um, originally by the, by the manufacturer, Um, for the other part, um, again, a lot of the Ferrari market, especially in 1960s Ferraris, um, which, is, which has been flat and slightly declining. Again, it gets back to experience. A lot of people bought those cars to be seen in. And the driving experience wasn't that interesting to them. Now, I have not think they're very interesting to drive. But if something is being bought as a fashion accessory, it tends to drive prices up and down faster. Hmm. Um, with the Lamborghinis, again, conventional wisdom also applies here because... Forever people said, oh, Countach is a really neat car to look at, but of course you can't drive them. You can't see out of them, and they're hot, and they're uncomfortable. And people realize, you know what? They're no hotter or more uncomfortable or, or more difficult to see out of than 16 other cars, but I really think it's neat, and I love what it represents historically. So people who weren't in the market for Kuntash 10 years ago are suddenly looking at them. So I think that, again, we come back to what we talked about before, Two things. One is the basic characteristics of value. Is this car important for its time, for its age? It doesn't have to be a limited production car. People, by the rules of collecting, no one should own a first generation Mustang. They built millions of them, and they're not—they're not great they're not good cars. Frankly, they're, they're Falcons and drag. But emotionally, they connected with so many people, and that's why they still—you can buy a Mustang today, a '65 Mustang, and not lose a cent on it. and Own it for five years, maintain the car well. And you're good. So it's about the personal connection. For me, I'll I'll say my bottom line is this. I I say this for myself and for my clients. If there's a car that makes your pulse race, that gets you to do the things you want to do to meet the people you want to meet, and you pay X dollars for it, the next day, if someone only is willing to give you half of what you paid, it doesn't matter because the car hasn't changed. It's still going to do for you what you wanted it to do and what it does do. Well, I, I'm with
1: you, brother, but explain that to the wife. That's all. <laughs> <I do. laughs> Like, I got
0: to say. Listen, she says, if this is the car that gets you out of the house on the weekends, then go ahead. By all means, you should buy that car.
1: Well, <laughs> if we had more time, Donald, I'd ask you what Jay Leno was like in real life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know what he's like in real life, Dad.
1: Uh, he's exactly as he, he is, is.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what you see is what you get. Absolutely.
1: I we always tell people. People always go, "What's Doctor Drew like in real life?" I'd go, "Have you ever seen him or heard him or anything? Yeah. Then you know, you know him, which is." A uh, 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 high praise, really, for exactly. any any celebrity. The uh, website, com is where you can go in the Audrain Newport Concourse and Motor Week. That is today, as you hear this, through October 3rd. And you can go to the uh, YouTube channel, Audrain Museum Network. Donald, uh, always great to speak to you. Uh, hope next time you're in L.A., you can stop by and kick some of our tires.
3: Absolutely. I can't wait, Adam. Thanks. Thank you. The great Donald, you, Donald Osborne.
0: All right. You got a spot there, Matt? Yeah. Uh, from a word from a friend at GEICO, whether you own your home or rent your home, we know it could be a lot of hard work, but you know it's easy. It's bundling your policies with GEICO. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Oh, man. Love Donald Osborne. He always looks like he's ready to go to Goodwood Revival. Like at the drop of a hat, (laughs) He's, he's on a
1: plane, he's already dressed, he's ready to go. We have uh, on the screen, it says F1 versus Indy at Long Beach. but
2: Oh, you you really meant road Atlanta? I thought you just meant like street courses. I'm sorry.
1: No, no. No, no. I I said...
0: Oh, you said Atlantic. uh,
1: Formula Atlantic. Formula Atlantic cars.
0: What was the lap times of Formula Atlantic versus the lap times of Indy car? Probably not an easy thing to Google, but... Well, they just
1: had a race. Yeah, Long Beach
0: I, but I don't yeah they'll I have, don't, I don't have, know where where lap times are for those <laughs>
1: they'll they'll have the lap times for the indie race and they'll probably have the lap times for the vintage race
0: they'll, somebody would yeah so, uh, I, I, I feel like
1: I feel like it'll now I did I, say the sure word Wiki I said the thing. word formula which is true and I said atlantic which could be like Atlanta.
2: There you go. See. C, there you yeah. go. But I, I it's still, formula. Don Osborne <laughs> would agree with me. Formula <laughs> Atlantic. Well, the
1: part where I'm saying the smaller cars. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. The Formula Atlantic. Formula um, Atlantic is a type of car. It's a type of car, and they had the vintage race, a Formula Atlantic right. vintage.
0: Although I, I guess it doesn't really matter when you get the lap times when they're when they were new or on a vintage race. I think the point is. is
1: yeah, it doesn't have to be from last weekend, but yeah, it would be. It it'd actually be more, maybe a little more interesting from last weekend. That the the um. Well, actually, I do know this. I do believe I was talking to someone who was driving one of those Millen Z cars, Turbo Z cars, who went out and set the pace a couple of years ago in a yeah, vintage right, race, and he was saying that. He had a higher top speed on um Shoreline than the other than the Indy cars did. Now you can go, how's that possible? Well, couple things. One is it's it's a vintage car and you can run huge rubber mm-hmm. on it. You're not really I mean, they had regulations, but it's not what it is now where you have to have the same size. I don't know, does Indy have the same size front and rear? Tire, whatever it is, but you're not, yeah. you're not, you don't get to put the 14 inch slicks on on the back of the indie car per right. se. And then also, you know, they have res- air restrictions and flow restrictions and, you know, D this and D that, and they may be capped at 550 horsepower or something like that. The Z car, if yeah. you turn up the wick, you could be at 800 horsepower on that car. So you, you think to yourself, well, right. the modern car's got to be so much faster, but. Not when the vintage car's got another two hundred and fifty horsepower and well, another two ounces of rubber. Then on it's in the drag
0: race mode at that point. And like you're saying, big horsepower, big tire means you know I mean obviously more weight, but Right. But uh but yeah, but then it's 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 a drag race at that point. It's just Right, you know, who's going to get on the brakes and make that turn at the end of shoreline?
1: <laughs> um, all right, so uh, maybe we'll bring you that info in the yeah, next show.
0: <laughs> well, in
2: lap times for, uh, for Formula Atlantic. Yeah, I, I had well, a I'm only saying
1: it based on they just had a vintage race, and I've done enough vintage racing where they will oftentimes post here's the winner, and you know here's the top ten in order, and they'll give you the fastest lap. Yeah. Next to the person's name, you know what I mean? Like on lap four, they turned a one twenty one seven. You yeah. know, like that's that's how they will break it down. Yeah, so, I agree.
0: It's just not going to be on like Wikipedia. It's going to be on.
1: I'm, I
2: get yeah. it. Okay,
0: <laughs> I'm just saying I, it's not going to be there because it's not that type of yeah info.
1: It's yeah. It, it, I it'll be somewhere at some points. And sometimes it takes a week for them to put that shit up right. as well. But usually, if you go to the Maybe the website of Long Beach Grand Prix or whatever and look at the weekend results or something. Like if you do results on uh, Long Beach Grand Prix or something, it might – it'll yeah. do the truck race result.
2: It does, ha- it does have that, but for some reason, Historic Formula doesn't have the race results posted.
1: No, hmm. oh, that's weird. Formula Atlantic. Formula okay. Atlantic,
2: yeah. All right. Well, maybe uh... – And that goes for the other years too, so I'm wondering if they're just not posting <laughs> and keeping track of it.
1: So, like when they do the weekend results, they do the yeah, they I, do the indie who won, and yeah, they'll so probably Indy put a car, time.
2: IMSA Super Drift, Speed Energy Super Trucks.
1: What was the IMSA then? Oh, the IMSA had a race.
2: IMSA. Well, this is I'm on the 2019 page right now. Right. Oh, okay. That's okay. But yeah, so IMSA is like uh, the the uh, let's see, total or uh, best lap times are around like from one twelve to one seventeen.
0: Okay. What did the Indy cars do? Did you find that?
2: Uh, the same year, the that, that cars would be, let's see, lap average speed, elapsed time. Uh, they're not giving me average lap time here.
1: Hmm. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get to it next week. Make yeah, a note maybe, of it, but yeah. I, I think we'll find the result from last week. I, right, I'd be right. curious what the Formula Atlantic did. Fine. Uh, Baltimore, McGuby's, Joe house, November 5th. Two stand-up <laughs> shows there. You can come on out in Philadelphia or outside of Philadelphia. Keswick Theater, November 6th, doing stand-up there. Go to Amcroll.com for all the live stuff and go check out our Pluto channel, Chassis, C-H-A-S-S-Y, 687, I believe. Lots of free stuff there. What do you got, Motorator?
0: Uh, just, uh, you know, got to drive a uh, Lamborghini Huracan STO and a couple of other vehicles posted all up on my social media. Check me out at Motorator.
1: So, until next time, Adam Kroll for Donald Osborne and Matt, the moderator, Deandrea saying Mahala. Oh, no, saying keep the air in the spare in the bag of the wheel.
0: For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCastShow. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.
1: Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting. You want to save some money? How about you bundle? Bundle your policies at GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to GEICO.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at GEICO. That is GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com.